Revelation uh, chapter 17, Brother Ray. So coming to uh, a passage now here, chapter 17, chapter 18, where uh, the Lord is dealing with this uh, world system of the tribulation. Uh, it's called Babylon. Of course, it's not the ancient uh, empire of Babylon, but uh, it's uh, a way that the uh, Bible refers to uh, the religious system and the political system that has risen up um, at this time. Uh, evidently, that this is a satanically fueled system, uh, and Lord refers to it uh, as Babylon for, for that reason. It's, it's a system, Mike, as, as Babylon was no doubt um, fueled uh, by the enemy, uh, but used by the Lord. Same, same will be true in, in the tribulation period. Uh, the enemy will uh, be uh, used uh, by the Lord uh, to accomplish uh, his purposes. Now, here in chapter 17, the Lord is, is pictured as he presents and deals with the religious side of, of that equation. So there's uh, a religious system, and, and you understand, uh, you recall some uh, attributes uh, of the system. seems to be an ecumenical system. Uh, we're not beating up on Catholics this morning, but it does seem to be uh, centered in Rome. Uh, and so that does imply, at least, that Roman Catholic Church uh, factors into this equation, uh, seems to be the epicenter of this uh, ecumenical sort of one world uh, religious system that uh, ultimately is... Uh, gives rise to the Antichrist, but then he allows the political uh, rulers, the, the political confederacy of the day, to put it down, it would seem. Mike, the Antichrist, ultimately reveals himself as one who desires to be worshipped. He doesn't want any other kind of religious system that would compete uh, for attention. So uh, this false religious uh, system will factor into at least giving rise uh, to the Antichrist, uh, but then he uh, allows it at least to be put down, if not um, the one who, um, who uh, advocates for that. Let's see here, Revelation 17, uh, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says here, there came uh, one of the seven angels uh, which had the seven vials. Uh, so recall, uh, uh, up to this point, we're seeing the seven vial judgments. The Lord employs seven angels to pour out each of these vials of wrath, if you will, uh, there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and uh, talked with me. Who's me, Zach? Uh, who's, who's writing here in Revelation? John. Uh, so, so John's having a, a vision, uh, uh, still of heaven, evidently. One of the angels um, uh, comes and speaks to him, saying uh, unto me, Come hither, uh, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore, uh, that sitteth upon many waters. And so there's that language, Brother Ray, of harlotry that we've seen recently, right? On Wednesday night, uh, I guess two Wednesday nights back, uh, we saw the Lord using that same imagery, that same language uh, back in Ezekiel 16. Don't have to turn there, but just listen. Uh, the Lord uh, had Ezekiel to say to the people, Thou didst trust in thy own beauty, and play it's the harlot because of thy renown. And so 
uh, you recall that, that passage, that chapter. We don't look at every single verse um, in that chapter, but uh, certainly you recall the Lord pictured the idolatry of Judah uh, as spiritual harlotry, spiritual whoredom, if you will. The language, Mike, is harsh, but the sin is, is great, so language, uh, the strong language uh, is used by the Lord to portray that. And so. Uh, we understand how the Lord uses this language throughout Scripture. He says, I will show unto thee a judgment uh, of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. And so uh, there is this um, system uh, that, that will come into focus during the, the tribulation period that is a, uh, evidently a, a false system. Uh, clearly, that's, that's made clear by the language and the historical use of language in Scripture seems to be an ecumenical system, one that has drawn in people, Brother Ray, and re historical religious systems into kind of one great, uh, large, all-encompassing um, and um, false uh, religious system. Uh, the language here, sitteth upon many waters, uh, is interpreted uh, in verse 15, uh, look there quickly. Remember, uh, one of our principles in Scripture, if something's not clear, just keep reading, and very often the Lord will uh, either directly uh, interpret or explain or give some clues along the way that help us uh, to better understand how language is being used. Anyway, in verse 15, he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest uh, where the whore sitteth, and here's the definition, uh, are peoples and multitudes and nations uh, and tongues. And so this uh, great whore, this um, epicenter, it seems to be the case of false worship, a false religious system, sitteth upon, uh, perhaps the picture here is that it exercises power, authority, uh, control over many waters, Verse 15 these, uh, says, these are the peoples, the multitudes, nations, uh, and tongues. So there's a false religious system that draws in, evidently, and exercises control over uh, the peoples, the nations um, of the world. And so uh, this is where we see this idea of a one-world religious system, uh, ecumenical, drawing together all peoples. Uh, of course, much has been written, and I'm sure you've heard teaching and preaching regarding uh, the trend toward ecumenicalism in the world today. Uh, there's pressure on churches to, uh, to throw off those things which would distinguish us uh, from other um, Christian groups or other faith systems. Uh, there's a movement even in the world today known as Chrislam. Uh, where Christianity and Islam are encouraged to find commonality and come together uh, as one religious system. Of course, we understand that um, Islam uh, has different God, it has different Christ. They'll point to Christ and say, oh yeah, he was a great prophet, he was a great man, uh, but didn't really die upon the cross. Um, and so we, we understand they have a different Christ. Uh, there can be no true commonality uh, between Christianity and Islam or Christianity, genuine biblical Christianity uh, in any other religious system in the world. And yet there's, there's pressure today um, in that direction. The Vatican is 
uh, exploring areas of commonality with other faiths. And I know even, even recently uh, put out some uh, publications regarding uh, uh, opportunities to find commonality with some of the Eastern faiths. And so you can see the ground being laid even today for uh, one religious system uh, over which the Antichrist, or through which the Antichrist will arise uh, and then ultimately put it down, um, arguing that he uh, is the one uh, to be worshiped. And so uh, here we see uh, these ideas. Uh, in verse 3, the angel says that the kings of the earth have committed fornication uh, with this great whore. And so uh, there is this political ecumenicalism. There's uh, kings of the earth have come together uh, and formed a political union uh, that will, the, will give power to this religious union. Uh, this religious system of the tribulation period. See verse 2, uh, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. Uh, there's that, that idea of fornication, spiritual idolatry. Uh, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine uh, of her fornication. Zach, that's very interesting. So uh, there, there's a religious system, ecumenical, one world religious system. Uh, there's this uh, one world government or something like that. Uh, mentioned recently that the European Economic Union uh, is, has been pointed to historically as uh, an existing entity that could very easily become this, uh, this political structure of the tribulation period. I know in Africa also there's a, there's a union of nations also, and I forget what that's called. Uh, uh, we have the North American um, Economic, I forget what that's called, but there's uh, there's, there's different entities that have been created to, uh, that, that would, uh, in theory at least, pave the way for uh, a one-world political system also. Uh, language here, earth has been made drunk with the wine of her fornication is interesting and uh, probably, or at least possibly, refers to the idea that there'll be uh, an attractiveness. Uh, you know, uh, something, something fun or, or attractive like the world views intoxication. The inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine uh, of her fornication. There's, there's, a, there's an attractiveness uh, to this, this one world system. Uh, maybe there's, there's also an allusion here to a power to deceive uh, as alcohol deceives, uh, clouds our judgment and deceives. Uh, there might be an allusion here to some occultic power as well uh, that, that draws people in, Brother Ray, to, to this false system. Aren't you glad you won't be here for any of this? Aren't you glad? Lord, Lord thank you that uh, we understand correctly, <laughs> at least, uh, the, the rapture comes before all of this. And we know in the end the Lord is going to use all of this for his purposes, but, I, but I'm glad uh, I have a hope, and it's a pretty certain hope uh, that, that we'll not be here for this. Verse uh, 3, so uh, he carried me away, uh, John, speaking of this angel, he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And so uh, not, not in heaven now, but uh, back uh, to the earth uh, into the wilderness. He says, and this is poetic language, he says, I saw a woman uh, sit upon a scarlet-colored beast 
uh, full of names of blasphemy, uh, having seven heads and ten horns. Well, there's a lot there. Uh, this, this clearly is poetic language. And, and Rich, there's some difficulty here. There's, there's some challenge, uh, certainly. But uh, a, a woman, so he, he says, um, uh, he's said already that uh, he sees one who he calls this, this great whore. So uh, probably just continuing that, that same language, that same uh, metaphor. Uh, is, is this um, uh, uh, false system, um, this false system of, of the world, false religious system. Uh, that's probably the woman. And then the scarlet covered, colored, forgive me, scarlet colored uh, beast. So beast is language that we're familiar with. We've seen that uh, John uh, pictures or portrays two beasts. Um, in the tribulation period, this evidently uh, would be uh, the Antichrist. Uh, I have a verse here. If you look at um, chapter 12 in verse 3, um, chapter 12, verse 3, Revelation 12, 3, there, there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, uh, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns uh, and seven crowns upon his head. So, uh, this, this would uh, almost certainly be an allusion to the Antichrist uh, being empowered or take, assuming power uh, over the kings, uh, same kings here who give power to uh, the false religious system. Uh, he's called a great red dragon. Uh, dragon, of course, uh, alludes to Satan. The Antichrist is a man, Brother Ray, who's empowered by Satan. Uh, during the tribulation period. So here in, in Revelation 12, 3, it's called Red Dragon. Come back to our verse um, this morning, chapter 17, verse 3, uh, scarlet colored. Well, scarlet is red, Mike, is it not? It's, it's basically the same, uh, same picture. A word is different, but it's uh, scarlet and red uh, are certainly similar in color. So he sees a woman, this false religious system, uh, sitting upon uh, a scarlet-covered beast. Uh, so this um, false system is pictured as sitting uh, upon the Antichrist and his kingdom. It, uh, it may exercise some control over him uh, for a time, uh, but ultimately, he, we'll see this morning, he employs the political system of the day to put down the religious system of the day. It gives birth to him, uh, if you will, but ultimately he will put it down, evidently, as, as a competitor uh, to him. I saw a woman sit upon the scarlet-covered beast uh, full of blasphemy, full of blasphemy. Uh, here's a paragraph that I borrowed from the commentator. He says, one of the features of the Antichrist that Daniel described was his mouth speaking great things. Just listen, that's Daniel 7, 8. Uh, For he shall speak great words against the Most High. That's Daniel 7, 25. Mike, that's blasphemy, words against the Most Great High. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and speak marvelous things against the God of gods. That's Daniel eleven thirty six. And so... Uh, Daniel, of course, who, who prophesied kingdoms of the world, uh, gave prophecy regarding the Antichrist, prophesied the Antichrist would speak 
uh, blasphemy, tremendous blasphemy, uh, speaking against the Lord. And so the scarlet-covered beast is one who's described as full of names of blasphemy uh, here in verse 3. Um, and so, uh, again, we're just comparing Scripture with Scripture to try to arrive at a conclusion about who it is, what it is, uh, that's being pictured here. So we've, we've brought in uh, Revelation 12, 3, and we're bringing in some passages from Daniel 7 and, and Daniel 11, uh, passages that maybe might be a little bit more clear uh, and allowing the clarity of those verses to provide a lens through which we can better understand uh, this verse. And so I think that's, uh, this comes into view or comes into focus here uh, a little bit more clearly with the help of these other verses. So uh, this woman, the false religious system, economical religious system of the day, uh, being associated with the one who's a scarlet-covered beast full of names of blasphemy, uh, the Antichrist. Uh, and then uh, something here, having seven heads and ten horns. And so the question is, what exactly is that? And who is it that is being described uh, is, is the question. Uh, the seven heads and, and ten horns. What might that um, allude to? Well, ten horns uh, throughout Revelation uh, do seem to be associated with the political system, ten kingdoms or nations that ally themselves uh, during, uh, the, uh, during the tribulation period. Often it's been said this is a, a revival of the old Roman Empire, something like that. Uh, countries of, of Europe allying together uh, during this time. Uh, but then there's, there's something described as having seven heads. If you look at verse 9, that's where the Lord is interpreting this passage uh, from verses 9 down through 14, actually. But look at verse 9. Uh, Here is the mind uh, which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Uh, we know that Rome has been commonly known as the city upon seven hills, right? Uh, seven, seven hills, or well, hills and mountains, they're, they're similar ideas, right? Uh, hills or mountains. Uh, in the first century, uh, Roman medals that were given out for uh, athletic games actually represented the city as a woman upon seven hills. And so... Uh, seems to be the case here that the Lord is borrowing some language would be very familiar to people um, in the first century. Language and imagery uh, be familiar from the secular world even, a woman upon seven hills. And so uh, this is historically uh, a picture that alludes very specifically to uh, Rome. And so uh, there's a place that comes into view here, Rome of course today, uh, the Catholic Church is the Roman Catholic Church. The Vatican, Vatican City, which actually is a, um, an independent nation, uh, is, is headquartered uh, in the vicinity of, of Rome. And so uh, unless something has changed between now and the, the future tribulation period, uh, it would seem that the Roman Church is at the head of, of this system. Uh, a more ecumenical system that has power, that has drawn in people, nations, faiths from around the world, 
uh, and is being associated here uh, with the ten horns or ten nations and the scarlet-colored beast or, or the Antichrist. So you're seeing some of the players in the, in the tribulation period here evidently. Uh, the Antichrist, uh, the integrated political system of the tribulation, and the, the integrated false religious system uh, of the tribulation all seem to be coming in into uh, view here. Let's continue uh, verse 4. So we're just doing our best to understand and allowing Scripture to do the majority of the heavy lifting here. You know, we can all make up our own interpretations, but we're trying to allow Scripture to uh, interpret Scripture. Uh, verse 4 goes on and describes this woman, this harlot uh, practicing whoredom, spiritual idolatry. Uh, her appearance, it suggests... Uh, power and wealth. Uh, verse 4, the woman was arrayed in purple uh, and scarlet color. Um, Christ was uh, provided a, a robe, right? Um, what color was it? It was purple, right? And because purple is associated with, with power or royalty, they weren't saying, oh, you're, 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 you're a great king. They were mocking him. Uh, so when, when Christ was given... Uh, purple, that, that was mockery. Uh, here the same color is associated with uh, this, this woman, this, this church or uh, ecumenical system uh, is red in purple and scarlet color. Uh, and so there's a, there's a power that, that comes into view here, probably a real power. The Catholic Church, of course, today has some uh, very real political and religious power uh, in the world. And I want to just reiterate, I'm, I'm not beating up on the Catholic Church. Certainly there's, there's much error that concerns us, but I, I don't want to be unloving in any way. It just seems to be the case that Rome uh, is sort of the epicenter of this false system. Today, at least, that would associate, uh, this passage would associate uh, the, the Roman Catholic Church with, uh, with these verses. Woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold, uh, and precious stones and pearls. Well, there's wealth uh, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations uh, and filthiness of her fornication. And so uh, here's a, a system uh, centered in a place uh, that's pictured as having power uh, in, in great wealth. Again, we recognize that the Roman Catholic Church has a fair amount of power and, and wealth today. Mike, it's interesting that its power and wealth have been diminished uh, in recent years. That, that's certainly true as a result of some of the scandals uh, that the church has experienced. But uh, I think we recognize that despite that, there's, there's the potential for uh, it to uh, become very powerful, more powerful and, and wealthier again, uh, particularly as it looks to draw in uh, to um, associate itself to uh, draw in other religious systems to find commonality as it, as it draws in more people uh, with people would come property, wealth and, and power certainly. Uh, I believe that today, uh, uh, I'm sure I read this in the past, Roman Catholic Church is the largest property owner in New York City. Well, with that comes some wealth and, and some power. And, and you spread that around the world, you, you begin to understand uh, the potential for the church to 
uh, accumulate uh, even greater wealth and even greater power uh, as it draws in others from, from around the world. Uh, verse 5, upon her head was a name written, uh, Mystery, uh, Babylon the Great. So there, there's the word, Babylon uh, the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations uh, of the earth. And so this is interesting, and we kind of tease it apart little by little here, Mystery, uh, the word, underlying word, uh, mysterion in, in the Bibles has the idea of something that was not known but is now revealed, like a mystery uh, novel. There's something that is unknown but in the end is, is revealed. So, yeah, there's, there's something here that's being revealed for the first time in Scripture uh, that would have been unknown to the prophets of past uh, and so on. So... Uh, that, that idea is here. Uh, Babylon the Great. So that name now seems to be applied to the woman. Uh, why, why would that name be? Uh, why, why might that be the case? Uh, well, this is um, uh, a false religious system uh, that is in many ways evidently like uh, the false religious system of ancient Babylon. All, all of the uh, Mike, all, all the spiritual fornication, all, all of the um, idolatry of, of Babylon uh, is being alluded to, and that name is being given to this uh, system that will uh, arise in the, or, or come to its apex perhaps, its peak uh, in, in the, uh, in the uh, I'll get it, uh, tribulation period. Uh, and so it's very interesting. Uh, we recognize, of course, that the Roman Catholic Church, and I, I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be unkind. Again, I'm, I'm being careful, but there is an aspect of idolatry uh, that is arguably witnessed in in the church today. The, the veneration of, of Mary, veneration of statues. Um, we we've mentioned in the past uh, the veneration of relics uh, that have come to the church here on Main Street. Uh, just recently, there was another um, relic that was brought. It was something to do with uh, James. Uh, I forget what it was exactly, but some uh, body part, actually, that, that is, is argued to be uh, that of James. Been traveling around the country, and, and, and uh, people are invited to come, and uh, they use the word veneration. Mike, you have a thought? Necromancy. Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would have to agree with you. I could not disagree with you. Um, yeah, and that's specifically prohibited uh, in Scripture. You're absolutely right. Um, and so we, we see this uh, idolatry, this false worship, uh, arguably necromancy um, in that church today. Um, it's going to get worse, <laughs> evidently. Uh, it'll get worse uh, before the Lord ultimately puts it down and, and things get better. Brother Ray, we see all, all the sinfulness within churches today. It, it's, it's grievous to us. Uh, I can't imagine how grievous it, it is to the Lord, but uh, the Lord will allow it to get worse. Uh, he'll use that for his purposes, uh, and then it'll be put down. Uh, it becomes very clear that even before the end of the tribulation period, uh, the Antichrist employs these kings 
this political confederacy to put down this religious confederacy, this sort of one world uh, ecumenical system. Lord will use it and then uh, destroy it. Uh, and so she is also called here the mother of harlots and abominations of the uh, earth, just as the ancient Babylonian religious system uh, spawned uh, a lot of error uh, that really uh, is seen e even in the world today. Uh, this, this false system will as well. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Uh, so it's, it's very um, uh, difficult language, but uh, language that does shed some, some light here on the system. Uh, verse 6, John saw that the woman is drunk with the blood of martyrs. Very interesting, difficult. Verse 6, I saw the woman drunken with the blood of saints uh, and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Uh, and when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Are you surprised that the final word in that verse is admiration? Uh, we, we, we think of that word as being very positive, right? Oh, I admire this person for uh, their faithfulness or, or something, something positive. The word pretty clearly is not being used that way here. The underlying word has the idea of, of looking upon something intently, like you're amazed and you're, you're staring at something uh, in amazement. So John, John wondered with great amazement uh, at what he's seeing here. So take care to understand the word ad admire or admiration. It's being used a little bit differently here um, than we would tend to use it today. It's not a translation problem. Take care to note that. The word could have that idea uh, a little bit more commonly back in 1611 when our translation was made than, than today. And so just, just be aware of that. John says, I saw the, wo the woman drunken with the blood of saints, with the blood of martyrs, the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, uh, I wondered with great admiration. As he looked upon it, he, uh, he, he's amazed at what he's seeing here. And so uh, it was seemed to be the case here that um, it's the, tr the, the tribulation saints who are martyred uh, that are in view here. We've already seen allusions to that. Many will be saved during the tribulation period. Brother Ray, we, we praise God that many will be Jews. We understand that, Jewish people. Uh, be some Gentiles in the mix here as, as well. Um, and, and they'll be martyred. I don't, not all of them, clearly not all of them, but many of them will be killed uh, during the tribulation uh, period here. Uh, and the, the woman, uh, the false ecumenical religious system is associated uh, here with the martyrdom of the saints, at least arguably. She's drunken with the blood of the saints and with the martyrs of Jesus. Uh, she is being associated with the martyrdom uh, of saints. Um, has the Catholic Church historically been associated with the martyrdom uh, of saints? Well, that's just a fact, and again, I'm, it's not my purpose to beat up on Catholics today, certainly not. We desire to lead them to true gospel and Lord Jesus Christ, but it is, um, it is an historical fact that the, the church historically uh, martyred uh, hundreds, and, and really, um, uh, not even arguably, it's, it's a matter of fact, thousands uh, of Bible believers, and 
Uh, you're probably familiar with Fox's book of martyrs, which records the stories of, of many Bible believers being killed uh, primarily by the Roman Catholic Church historically. And so uh, it's, it's certainly conceivable that the church will return to its former ways uh, in the future tribulation period. There's very ugly thoughts, but these are, uh, these are truths uh, nonetheless. Uh, Zach, stop and think about that for a second. Um, why might the Lord allow uh, even saved people, tribulation saints, to be martyred uh, in the tribulation? Might he have some purpose for that? I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah, so we've said, I agreed. Yep, that's good. Um, so some who are not yet saved will evidently see that uh, there, there are people who are willing to die for this faith, not, not the faith of the great whore of Babylon, but the faith uh, of Scripture, faith of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, or people who are genuinely willing uh, to die for that. So that will be a testimony that the Lord could use to bring others to Christ. Brother, I think there there might also be sort of this practical thing, too. Uh, the idea being that, hey, people are being killed. Uh, and, and while I don't want to be killed for my faith, uh, if I've been convicted that that faith they're being killed for is the truth, uh, and I'm going to spend eternity in hell uh, apart from that truth, apart from coming to the Savior that these folks are being killed for, uh, I don't know how much time I have. Uh, people are being killed. Uh, and so maybe it will um, encourage an urgency to come to Christ. And I realize that might come off as sort of competing ideas because those that do are being killed, some, some of them at least, but uh, it, it might encourage an urgency. Hey, so many have died already. People are being killed all around me. Uh, if, if I'm convicted that the gospel is true, I better hurry up and place my faith in the Christ uh, of that gospel. I don't know if I have the rest of today uh, might be the idea. Uh, let's go just a little bit further here. Verse 7, the angel acknowledges John's <laughs> astonishment. Verse 7, the angel said unto me, uh, wherefore didst thou marvel? Uh, why, why, are you, why are you marveling so much at this? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman... Uh, and of the beast that carrieth her, uh, which hath the seven heads and uh, ten horns. Uh, there's language here, um, verse 8, a little challenging. Uh, the beast that thou sawest was uh, and is not. Uh, and so probably a reference to Babylon that was in the past, but is not any longer. Uh, Babylon was put down by the Medo-Persian Empire, as you know, uh, and King Darius uh, the Mede uh, uh, allowed the people to travel back to Jerusalem. Uh, you remember that. That's, that's a good thing. Uh, and the beast that was uh, and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. They that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Uh, when they behold the beast that was and is and, and, and yet is, is not and yet is. And so uh, that's, that's <laughs> admittedly challenging. I don't have to tell you that. Um, the Antichrist, um, so 
Uh, Babylon, literal Babylon, was in the past uh, and is not. So the one who is not probably um, or, or maybe possibly an allusion to the Antichrist who's not yet on the scene in this chapter, uh, but who will, who, who will be on the scene uh, and shall ascend out of um, the pit. Uh, he'll be revealed here during the tribulation period. Uh, his ultimate uh, destination is to go into perdition, uh, which obviously would be, more obviously at least, be a reference to hell, uh, where, where he'll suffer loss of well-being. Perdition has that idea. Uh, and then his followers uh, seem to be in view here. They that dwell on the earth shall wonder. Uh, they whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Lord knows who will be saved and who will not be saved. Uh, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a difficult verse. Uh, as I've mentioned, verses 9 down through 13 or so uh, give a little bit of interpretation. We've seen some of this already, but let's just see these verses quickly, uh, then we'll stop. Uh, we'll stop at, at verse 13. Um, verse 9, uh, here is the mind. The angel explains godly wisdom required to interpret this. Uh, here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman, the woman sitteth. So uh, we saw that, seven hills of Rome, seven mountains, seven heads, hills, or mountains. Verse 10, and, and there are seven kings, five are fallen, one is, uh, the other is not yet come. When he cometh, he must continue uh, a short space. So uh, five are fallen may allude to the um, empires uh, of the past. Um, uh, plus one, uh, one is leading the woman at the time of the tribulation. So there's, uh, there's a, a confederacy in place at this time. One will come, uh, probably an allusion to the Antichrist who is not yet on the scene, but who will uh, be revealed. Uh, verse 11 might be an allusion to his death and resurrection. Uh, the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seventh and goeth into perdition. Uh, in the end, uh, he will uh, go into hell. Uh, verse 12, the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings. Uh, again, the political confederacy of the tribulation period, uh, evidently. Uh, the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power uh, as kings one hour with the beast. Uh, he empowers them. These have one mind. They are confederated. They rule as one uh, and shall give their power and strength unto uh, the beast. Let's just, let's just try to finish this actually. We're, we're almost there. They shall make war with the lamb, verse 14. The lamb shall overcome them, amen, uh, for he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. Uh, this is probably an allusion to Armageddon where Lord comes and, and deals with them. Uh, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. That would be us uh, coming with the Lord uh, at Armageddon at his second coming. 
We saw verse 15 already. It explains the waters. He saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest, where the great horse sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations uh, and tongues. Uh, and then verses 16 and 17 uh, seem to describe the Antichrist allowing the ten kings, the political Babylon, uh, to destroy the woman, um, false religious system. Uh, again, probably because it, it stands in his way. It's, it's uh, ultimately competition to him, uh, the Antichrist. Verse 16, the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, uh, these shall hate the whore ultimately, uh, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Uh, they put her down, probably as competition to them, a uh, religious system competing with the political system, but ultimately the Antichrist seems to be behind this. Uh, verse 17, for God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will uh, and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast uh, until the words of the Lord shall be fulfilled. And so here you can see that the Lord is orchestrating uh, some of this. Uh, it would be unknown to all of the actors on the stage here uh, but the Lord is sovereignly, sovereignly orchestrating uh, the events uh, here ultimately for uh, his purposes. We're reminded the Bible says, Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord uh, as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. That was true in the past. It's true today. It'll be true in the future, including the tribulation period. Uh, verse 18, the woman which thou sawest is that great city. Evidently, Rome, uh, which reigneth over the kings of the earth for a time, uh, for a time. And so, uh, again, we see here the Lord um, allowing for a time, using it, and then putting down uh, this great ecumenical religious system of the tribulation period. Mike, it's said that all roads lead to Rome. That's been said in the past, uh, certainly. Uh, would appear that the ecumenicalism that we see in the world today uh, is setting the stage for what we see here uh, in the future. We're going to stand guard against that. We're, we're going we're to be care careful uh, to remain separate from the ecumenical tides of, of the world today. We believe the Bible's made it clear that we're, we're commanded to, Brother Ray, remain separate from error uh, and so we will. We're not going to allow the uh, course of the world to allow us to sweep us up into uh, this movement that, that points to Rome and the uh, more obvious and, and, and more total ecumenical system of the tribulation period. Stage is being set, uh, as we've said. We will take care uh, to remain separate from it. We better stop there and pray. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning. Uh, for this chapter, it, it's difficult for sure, uh, but uh, we've allowed your words to interpret it, and I believe we, we can understand it. We thank you for that. Lord, uh, we know that uh, your hand is, is behind all of this, and this will all be part of your plan uh, to, to reach people ultimately. Uh, Lord, you will judge the ecumenical system of the world. Uh, we understand that. We thank you uh, for that. Father, I pray this morning that you, you help us to see that the world is interested in such a system. 
uh, no doubt it's, it's viewed as uh, part of the uh, formula for peace. Lord, we know there'll be no true peace until Christ returns. The Father puts off the, his enemies. Lord, I thank you this morning that we can see and know and understand what's coming. Uh, and I believe uh, understand how certain events in the world today uh, set the stage. Uh, set the stage. Lord, help us to bear these things in mind and to steer well clear uh, of these tides uh, in the world today. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. All right, thanks for being here this morning. We'll see you back shortly.